Let's take a seat for a moment. Let's pray for ourselves and for Ross as he comes to bring God's Word to us. Ross is going to use a a number of scriptures, but I'm just going to read one of them. It's from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 14 down to verse 17. It's on page 1135 of the Pew Bibles. Page 1135. Romans 8 from verse 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, to daughterhood. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for our brother Ross, and we pray for ourselves. As he helps us to search our hearts and ask the question, do we believe in you but not really know you? That you will touch our hearts, that you will touch our minds, that you'll anoint Ross, that the preparation he has put in, Lord, will be turned by your Spirit into something which impacts not just our ears, but our hearts and our very lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Morning, you lot. How are you? Well? Yeah? It's really weird seeing a lot of the guys from summer camp because... Obviously, what you know happens on summer camp stays on summer camp, other than everything I'm about to share in this message about what happened on summer camp. But you kind of see people in a different light. You look at them and you go, oh, I remember when that happened. I remember when you were wearing that dress. I remember when you looked that weird or said that thing. It was an awesome time, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But we're continuing for our series um, this morning, Christian Atheism, exploring what it means to believe in God, right, to, to, to know he exists and know those kind of things, but at the same time live as if he doesn't exist. So we say on the one hand, yeah, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, but on the other hand, our life doesn't demonstrate anything of what we believe a Christian should be demonstrating. Not necessarily about just doing stuff, but about being closer to him and, and believing in the things that he says he will do. Anyone relate to that? Some of the titles we're looking at is believing in God, but trusting more in money. We believe in him, but if we're honest, we're not completely sure that he can provide for us when we're in financial need. Uh, Therefore, we try to think of any other manner we can to to get the money we need, rather than trusting in him, believing in God, but trusting more in money. Believing in God, but um, but in it for the easy life. We believe in him as long as nothing else really changes um, in our lives and we can still do all the things we want to do. Believing in God, but not in prayer. And today we're looking at believing in God, but not really knowing him. So the question I want to ask at the start, and for you to kind of reflect on as we explore this topic, is do you believe in God, but not really know him? I took the title there and made it a question. Clever little mix. (laughs) Do you believe in God, but not really know him? Because there's a difference, isn't there, between believing and knowing. Let me give you an example by way of analogy. There's some people that only know me as the Reverend Ross Maynard. They know my mobile number. They know my email. They might have a picture of me that they've gleaned from Facebook. They know uh, where I live. 
and then so mainly utilities, that kind of thing. But then advertisement companies today seem to know everything about you, don't they? They know all the websites you've researched. They know what you've been looking at, the kind of things you like, so they can define their adverts to the kind of things that you might want to actually buy. I don't know about you, but I find it terrifying when an advert pops up on my screen and it's like, Ross, you might like this surfboard or you might like this film. And I'm like, how did you know that little man behind my screen? How are you working out exactly what I like? But they know all these details about me. They even know the kind of things I like. They know my name. But really, they don't know me, do they? I can't say that that sales guy on the, on the, on the end of my line actually knows anything about me other than those details. Isn't this somehow, some, sometimes how we treat God? We believe in him. We know he exists. We know his name. We may even know his likes and dislikes. We may even know abundance of information about this God. But do we really know him? Because the people that actually know me don't call me Reverend Ross Maynard. They call me many things that I probably shouldn't say at the front and therefore won't. <laughs> but they also call me things such as just Ross, mate, Rostifer was what I had for a long time. Uh, my mum calls me Pet Lamb. If there's anything that would ever ruin your reputation as being cool, it's Pet Lamb. <laughs> my dad calls me Rossi. That's his pet name for me, Rossi, or son. Alice, she calls me Babe. And we, I must add, we started that ironically. We were that couple that were like, yeah, I'm going to call you Babe and Darling because it's funny and it's ironic. But obviously, over time, we called each other that so many times. Those are now our pet names for each other, Babe and Darling. We are that couple. We are that couple. So the people that know me know that I like surfing, but not just because they've seen on my internet history, I've been looking at the new latest board that I can buy, because they've been surfing with me. They've been for the ups and downs of being in the waves, the, the near-death experiences of getting dragged out in a, in a rip current. They've seen the impact the water has on my life, knowing that I find a real restorative qualities in just being in water. They know that I take care of my board more than I probably would a human child. They know that I like surfing because they've experienced it with me. They know that I like movies, not just because they know the kind of movies I like, but because they've watched them with me, because we've laughed, we've cried. They know what kind of films have impacted me and changed the way I think. These are the kind of people that really know me. And isn't God not just into us believing in him, but he wants to know us, right? He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to go on, 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 on the adventure of, of life with us, experience things with us. James 2 verse 19, it says, You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. James challenging his congregation about this idea of, of having a faith, of believing in God, but actually not doing anything about it. That idea of faith and, and, and works great. You believe in God, brilliant. The demons believe in God. Because actually that's not the crux of what our faith is about, right? The crux of our faith is a relationship with Jesus, the living God, who changes and transforms our, our lives, sends us out to tell others of that good news, that there no longer has to be death, and that's it. In fact, we can have life after death. Death no longer has its sting, and in fact, we can spend eternity with Jesus and have our lives changed and transformed forever. Is that not something that excites you? That is the God that we believe in, the God that wants relationship with us wants to know us. And what I find is desperately sad is that um, we seem to have sold society another message about what it means to be a Christian. And it's all about propositional truth, knowing the right things, and believing God exists. Now, these things are important. I'm not diminishing them, 
But what I find desperately sad is when I go to asylum cases for the Iranian community we have uh, here at Mutley, and the thing they're tested on most by the courts are their ability to answer a bunch of questions about the Christian faith. If they can answer a number of questions, I've got to admit, I would struggle to answer, and I'm sure many of us would struggle to answer in here, the names of all the disciples, what their favorite food, where they slept at night. I mean, they ask them these ridiculous questions that apparently if they get answered in order, they are therefore a, a genuine Christian. Because somewhere along the line, we've sold this belief to society that what it means to be a Christian is believe this and this, and, and no God exists. Nothing about a relationship. The hardest job we have is sitting in a court and explaining to someone, actually, what we believe as Christians is that you don't just come to believe in God, but you come to know God. You come to have a relationship with him. Talking to a judge about the idea that actually it's about a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing that we, we hold as Christians. If you forget everything I say this morning, and I know there's a chance of that, uh, remember the line that is on screen. God wants to know us. God wants to know us. Not just a little bit, not just because he's got nothing better to do with his time, but he was willing to give everything. He was willing to give of his own son. He was willing, therefore, to give of himself because Jesus is fully God and fully man. He gave something of himself, dying on the cross, in order that we can have, and the key to the Christian faith is that we can have a relationship with God. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus accomplished He got rid of that barrier of sin, the the cancer that infects every one of us in this whole world and got rid of it in order that we can have a relationship with God. That All we have to do is turn away from that old life, follow Jesus, and find relationship with the God that wants to know us. This is the crux and center of our whole faith, the cross, the symbol of reconciliation between us and God. And that word, reconciliation, is one we throw around a lot as Christians, right? We like a lot of the R words, righteousness, reconciliation. And the point of that, ultimately, is that we are restored to right relationship with God. That's what Jesus did. He moved that barrier of sin out of the way in order that we would be restored to right relationship with God. That not only could God know us, but we could also know him. If you've got your Bibles with you, Romans 5, 10 to 11. There's this theme, this idea of reconciliation throughout the whole of the New Testament. And it says this, Romans 5, 10 to 11, it says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Not only did Jesus make a way for us to have a relationship with God, because, not sorry, because we were nice because we wanted it, because we asked God to do that. But in fact, despite us and everything we do, and the fact we didn't even want a relationship with God, he made a way, he died for us, he gave that possibility for us to have a relationship with Jesus, to truly know God. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about this idea as well, that all of us have been reconciled to God, and that is the good news that we bring to people. doesn't matter how broken you are, you have an opportunity to know the living God, to be in relationship with him. And as a consequence of this, for me, one of the most beautiful truths in the Bible is that we're then known by a different name. We don't just call God, God in the kind of generic sense. That can really mean anything. Suggesting often distance, right? We, we always talk about God being up there. We don't refer to, to God in that way anymore. And we don't refer to ourselves just by 
the names we normally know ourselves by or the inadequate ways in which we see ourselves. In fact, we get a different title and the God that we worship gets a different title. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, having clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are children of God, sons and daughters of the living God. That is a new title that we get expressing intimacy rather than distance. So not only does our title changes, but God's title changes. Romans chapter 8. This is my last flick. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 17. It says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And for those that don't know, that term Abba is one that was on Jesus' lips, the way he referred to God. Abba expressing such intimacy. And Father, I think, is quite a reverent term. We wouldn't call, I mean, I wouldn't call my dad Father unless I was you know, mugging him off. I would normally call him dad or, or, or daddy. Or, or No, I probably wouldn't call him daddy, to be fair. I am a 29-year-old man. But I would call him dad, at least expressing that kind of intimacy, whereas father's quite a respectful term, maybe, uh, that we use today. But Abba, that original term that Jesus used, expresses that kind of intimacy with God, an intimacy that is, is hard at times to contemplate. Borderline, it almost sounds offensive to refer to God using such intimate language. But the God that we worship wants to know us, made a way for that to happen, and therefore we are sons and daughters of this God, and no longer call God God, but Father. Mother. We worship the living God. And if there's anywhere in which um, you come to understand what it means to know God, it is, dun, 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 summer camp. I've discovered once again what it means to know God. <laughs> Threw me off a bit with the picture there. <laughs> so at Summer Camp, we enjoyed uh, all kinds of things this week. Water park, uh, we did beach trips. Um, and if there's many things that happens at Summer Camp, you will always be tired. You will often get wet. You'll be grumpy. No matter who you are, you have a day of grumpiness. But you will never, ever go hungry. And this is the moment in which Kate Brown was enjoying teasing me with the most amazing porridge that she had made. And I wanted, I think it was possibly second or third helpings, but a maple syrup and jam. And we also, I took a great liberty dressing up as myself. And I had a theory behind this, because my theory was that most the youth couldn't actually be bothered to look for the leaders. So I figured if I went out into a coffee shop that was far enough away, they probably weren't going to come and look for me. And if I went downstairs and said coffee shop, looking like myself, they wouldn't expect me to be looking like myself, and read a, read a book, enjoyed a coffee, and had the most delicious piece of carrot cake in the entire world, they wouldn't find me. They didn't find me. And I got told I was cheating officially by not dressing up. But if the aim was to find the leaders and I didn't get found, then I kind of won. I'm just saying... 
But the best moment for me, and I'm sorry, Evan, I didn't realize you were going to be here, but you're going to have to enjoy this, was um, we had a talent show at the end of camp. <laughs> and uh, they already know. <laughs> Evan was dancing with a guy called Ben. There was this little performance they did. Um, it went horrifically wrong mid-performance. You will see on the screen why. Please work. For those that don't know, that was a trust fall, and Evan was meant to catch him at a certain point in the song, but had forgotten what the words were and didn't get back in time. I've watched that literally a hundred times. Oh. There's no profound theological point attached to that other than it's good to laugh. <laughs> but despite all those joys of summer camp, um, the greatest joy is getting to see uh, the, the youth that come along get to know Jesus better, better than when they came, um, and, and share stories of what God's been doing in their life throughout the week and also there at summer camp. And the, the most poignant night was probably the Wednesday where um, one of the leaders got up and, and, and told a story of how she had um, had drug problems in the past to a point where she'd been so on her knees because of the drugs that um, a taxi driver had to collect her and take her to the hospital. Said taxi driver happened to go back day after day to see how she was and shared with her that Jesus loves her. No matter how what she's experiencing or what she's going through or how messed up she may feel, this Jesus loves her. And that transformed her life as she entered that relationship with Jesus because of that truth. She didn't think, I can't be loved. Surely not me, I'm too messed up to understand and know this God's love. And yet that taxi driver continued to share his faith with her. That set the atmosphere for the, for the meeting that night. Another young Nigerian boy got up and, and shared something of what God had been doing in his life. It was hard to make out everything he was saying other than his enthusiasm and excitement for someone who'd not talked too much throughout the week, actually, but on this night was able to share that God had, had changed his life and had, and had spoken to him at youth camp and taken him from, from previous difficulties to being a better person and closer to him as he left. The atmosphere that night was electric, and the thing that most spoke to me was there's a young boy, and I'll call him James for the sake of confidentiality and James is about 16 um, probably on the spectrum somewhere and is incredibly bright so when he came to talk to me he often you know I can't understand what he's saying he's just he's, he's so intelligent speaking from all these realms of things that he's thinking about at the time and on this night he came up all animated and wanting to talk about what he'd experienced Becky um, Bungo who was doing the talks at the time offered the opportunity for people to respond and come and receive prayer and he came up all animated and said to me, you know, Ross, um, the Christian faith, it, it's so complicated, isn't it? It's made of so many different layers. There's so many things to know. No one really knows. And he was kind of describing all of his hands. And he said, but yet the center is so simple. And he kept saying the center is so simple. And he'd go off on another tangent talking about how complicated the Christian faith is. And then, but the center is so simple. And I said to him, what, what is that simple center that you're talking about? And he looked at me as if it was just the most obvious question in the world and went, Jesus. To know Jesus. To sp we get to speak to Jesus. To have a relationship with Jesus. 
I have heard preacher after preacher for years. I've heard some of the, most, the best minds speak on theology. And that young man articulated for me that night clearer the Christian faith that I love and hold better than anyone else I've ever heard. I struggled to keep it together listening to what he was saying. So enthused, so excited because it was so simple. And for a young man who thinks in such a great universe of intelligence, to simplify everything he believed to something so obvious was profound. I've never known the gospel articulated so clearly. It moved me. We as Christians have the privilege of knowing God. So I want to return to that question that I asked you at the start. Do you believe in God but not really know him? Then maybe this applies to you. Maybe it's your first time in church. You've taken the chances of stepping through our big scary doors and you're sitting in the pews unsure about what this preacher is saying at the front what he really means, but there's something about this that's resonating with you. You get the idea of a God and spiritual realities, but the idea of it being more than that is a bit scary. If that's you today, please don't leave without chatting to myself or or, or someone around you who knows what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. But then I I imagine as many of you as I ask that question, who are Christians and have been Christians for years, sitting there going, I'm off the hook on this sermon. Nice, he's only talking to those that don't have faith. You're not unfortunately. Because the question I want to ask you is, how well do you know Jesus? Because we get to know him through spending time with him, right? That's how we get to know people, is through spending time with them. And it's, well and good, it's all well and good saying, you know, I, yeah, I, I've been a Christian for years, Ross. I get it, mate. I've been at church. I, I know everything about you from the sermons you talk, the weird things you say at the front. I get it. But do you actually know him? Craig Rochelle Uh, says in his book, which inspired this series. He says, maybe we sort of know God. Maybe sometime in the past we prayed and asked Jesus to transform our lives. Maybe we have a basic understanding of God. Maybe once, maybe once we genuinely felt close to him, but we don't know him well now. How well do you know God? Are you investing in that relationship? Are you putting him first above everything else? Because if anything else matters and all the stuff we believe and all the stuff we discuss and all the stuff we talk about, it's important, absolutely, but it is not as important as the core of our faith to have a relationship with Jesus. So my final question is, what are you doing to get to know God better? Like we asked in the intercessions earlier when we spent some time praying, what are you doing to get to know him Better. How are you investing in that relationship? I want to suggest, um, and I've been doing it previously, the, you know the Bible app that you get on your phones? Um, you can also download it on your, uh, on your computers as well if you want to. Um, the version Bible app. You don't just have to have a phone to do it. If you haven't got a fancy phone that does everything, um, go on your computers, type it into Google, version, and you get a Bible app, which, um, <laughs> which none of you are going to be able to see from here. I've just realized that. So... Uh, on the screen behind me, you'll see some of the plans that come with this Bible app that are relevant to the particular topic we've been looking at this morning. So one of them, if you go onto that particular app and look at the plans, is, is Knowing God. It's an 18-day plan taking you through a bunch of passages of Scripture and seeing how you can get to know Jesus better. Uh, and it's by R.C. Sproul, who's a famous theologian. People know his name? Um, so he's the one that kind of writes the devotions. Great devotion, an opportunity to get to know God better. 
Um, or maybe you know the song, Good, Good Father, and you heard some of what I've been saying this morning and how that relates to that particular song, and you want to explore the words of that song more and see what God is to say to you through that. Well, it's a great devotion, a five-day devotion, looking through some of the words of that particular song, what it means to call God Father. Um, and there's another one, the if one, right at the end of that, of that last page, um, is looking specifically at Romans 8. But the, the guy who does the devotions is a spoken word poet. So you lot over there, if you don't like just reading through devotions, it's a video, and every day there's a new spoken word poem that he does about Romans 8 and looking at what it means for us to be adopted into God's kingdom, what it means for us to be sons and daughters, and what it means to call God Father. But maybe you're not in that place and you're just wanting today to start that relationship with Jesus. Beginning a relationship with Jesus is a perfect place to start That's a great plan that I'd encourage you to look at, just working through the fundamentals of what it means to be a Christian. Um, And then finally, your journey with God. Again, it's quite a short devotion, only five days, an opportunity to grow deeper in our relationship with him. Imagine if everyone in this church were like that psalmist that we read earlier, that our morning's desire and passion was to hunger, was to thirst, was to get to know God better. In fact, nothing else would satisfy other than knowing God better that we would sing and say to ourselves, you God are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips my mouth will praise you. I don't know about you, but in doing this message this week, that's where I want to be at. I'm not at the moment, but that's where I want to be. I want to wake up in the morning, and that is my song. That beyond everything else I can look at and focus on, I'm thirsting for a deeper relationship with Jesus. I'm wanting to draw near my God because he's drawn near to me. What about you? Let's pray. Father, I don't want this to be a bunch of words from the front um, and know that if there's no action from this, it's just, just a nice talk. Um, I pray that, that as each and every one of us leaves this building this morning, as we go into the, the normality of our weeks, may you provide prompters to remind us that you're with us, to remind us to spend time with you, to excite us to get to know you better, to put you first, to seek a deeper relationship with you. Help remind us of some of these things during the week, however you do that, whether it's through other people, whether it's through just prompting our minds through Bible passages, whatever it is. Ignite that fire. All we want in life is you, Jesus, and you alone. May we thirst for you. May we hunger for you. May we seek satisfaction only in you. In your name. Amen.